Hi, this is Jeff Kober with a new Disney at Work podcast where we look at best in business ideas from Walt Disney World, Disneyland, and all things of the Walt Disney Company that you can apply back to your own organization. This week, I've had the opportunity to be in three of the Walt Disney World parks. And I noticed that opportunities for purchasing food and beverage were pretty limited due uh, not so much to COVID, but simply what I think may be poor decision-making on the part of management. In the wake of this, when Disney needs to make all the money it can to get through this once in a generation moment, we have instead, well, we have instead money being left on the table by guests who frankly are ready to spend in the parks. And if they can't spend in the parks, they'll go spend it elsewhere. In this Disney at Work podcast, we look at seven ways Disney is missing the opportunity to improve their F&B food and beverage per caps. Now, you may not run a business. That, that's not important here. But if you have a business or if you're part of a business organization, you just might learn some things about how you could be generating greater revenue than you thought possible, especially in uncertain times like these. Make sure you check out our DisneyAtWork.com website where all of this will be outlined as well. And in fact, there will be some really good um, images and other links that will help you navigate through these ideas. And most importantly, in every Disney at Work podcast, we provide you free, complimentary, no purchase necessary souvenirs for you to take back to your organization. Ideas and notions and thoughts and ahas that you can apply back to your business. Let's start with number one. Be our guest for breakfast. Passing through the Magic Kingdom the other morning, I noticed as I was going through Fantasyland Forest that the ever popular, ever difficult to get into Be Our Guest restaurant was, well, not open for breakfast. The gates were closed. There was nobody on the bridge. It was completely shut down. By the way, neither is Cinderella's Royal Table. Now, if you are a big fan of Disney and you love taking your little princess or dining at these establishments, no, you know that these are two of the most popular dining reservation restaurants in all of Walt Disney World. In fact, they are such premium restaurants that Disney wants to take your credit card in advance of your visit. And yet you're telling me now that no one is interested at all in breakfast? Indeed, there are not any table dining locations dining service locations available for breakfast at Magic Kingdom. Not Tony's, not Plaza Restaurant, not Crystal Palace, not Skipper's Canteen, not Liberty Tree Tavern. Yes, you could go grab something on the go at the Main Street Bakery or at Sleepy Hollows or Friar Tucks and even Gaston's. But there are no formal sit-down dining options. Are we missing something here? Are we saying that there isn't anyone 
who wants a sit-down breakfast at the Magic Kingdom? I know, those reservations used to go like hotcakes, sorry for the pun, prior to the pandemic. Now maybe, maybe it's vaccinations that are turning people off of eggs and bacon, but I don't think so. My guess is that this decision is being made by some bureaucrat who drinks coffee for breakfast only on their way rushing into work. I, and when I say bureaucrat, let me just describe what I'm talking about here. If you look at the etymology of the word bureaucrat or bureaucracy, you get krasi, which is Greek for rule or govern, and bureau, which is French for a desk. In other words, a bureaucrat is somebody who rules or manages from a desk. And let me just tell you, you can't manage from a desk and know what the dining habits and interests of your guests are. You're not, you, you can't just grab some coffee on the way in and think you really understand that. This is clearly a decision that's not being made by someone who has had the experience of gathering their family for a big day at the Magic Kingdom and they want to start off with a big breakfast to go. This is simply a miss. Now, this begs the question, again, you may not have a restaurant, but are you walking in the shoes of your customers? Are you making bureaucratic decisions without really understanding what your customers' needs and interests are? That's a miss, and you may want to consider otherwise. That's the first one. Number two, don't outlaw the outpost popcorn. Since the pandemic, Katsaka's uh, kettle has been closed. I initially thought that this was maybe due to the confined space that cast members have to work in in this little open market space at uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge at Disney's Hollywood Studios. After all these months of it being closed and not open, I'm just not so sure that that's the problem. The other retail spaces aren't really much bigger. And in fact, some of those don't even allow more than one guest at a time, such as where you go to buy pins. So why not just have one guest in Katsaka's at any moment to make a purchase? To me, the fact that this little corner has been closed for months is a riddle to me, at least do something else retail with it or um, or sell something else food and beverage wise. Is it that the popcorn isn't a sell? If it's not a sell, then go sell something else. In fact, actually, I think they were selling Galaxy Green toward the end. I thought, I thought the popcorn had pretty good sales. I think most of the time, I always saw a line of four, five, six, seven people in line to purchase popcorn. Now, I'm not a popcorn fan. Uh, yeah, I kind of like the different flavors when you go to Tokyo Disney, but it, at the Disney theme parks, no, I have no interest and never really ever make a purchase of popcorn in the parks. But I really like Katsaka's. I liked its mix of, of sweet and spicy. And I thought it was some, a really kind of a different variety. Now, on the other hand, 
you'll say, well, if it's a space issue, why don't they just sell it in the shops? After all, we could bag it up and just put it with next to the other popcorn varieties, which are sold, you know, they have caramel popcorn there, regular popcorn and, and multicolored popcorn in those retail locations. So why not sell some Katsakas right there in the retail shops? Oh yeah, I remember, it's a retail shop. Retail doesn't talk very well with the food and beverage folks at Disney. That's because they seem to operate in silos where there are a lot of great products that could be sold in either venue, but they aren't because those two groups often aren't talking to each other. And that failure to get past the silos and to talk to each other is keeping money on the table. By the way, on the same note, did you know that in every Walt Disney World Park, you can find caramel apples or hand-dipped chocolate-covered Rice Krispie treats or fresh fudge in every park? Except for one, Disney's Hollywood Studios. In perhaps the biggest blunder of all, um, well, at least fudge-wise, retail took out those items and replaced it with a quote-unquote show-stopping selection of Pixar merchandise and pre-packaged treats. Remember, they used to be sold right on the left as you went down Sunset Boulevard. No, they're all gone. In fact, actually, that store's not even been open since the pandemic. But even before the pandemic, um, it hasn't been available. They took it completely out. And why did they take it out and put in just Pixar products? Well, because budget cuts took out any retail options when Storyland was added to the park. Originally, if you looked at the original um, park plans for um, that, for Toy Story Land, there were going to be um, some retail spaces provided on the right as you entered into the land. Uh, they all got cut. As an afterthought, well, Instead, what they decided to do was take over this retail shop at um, on Sunset Boulevard. Not that it is in the least bit close to Toy Story Land, but they took it over anyway. And then when they saw the sales weren't really working that well in that location, they took out the employee break room at Toy Story Mania and they added some retail space in this corner. And I got to tell you, you're, if I'm telling you right now, yeah, did you know that there is a, a retail space at the exit to Toy Story Mania? Most people listening to this podcast will say, uh, what retail space? Yeah. Well, I wouldn't blame you because honestly, it's one of the most hidden retail locations ever contrived. There's actually two places where you board and unload the ride. And based on how you exit, you could literally kind of miss it on the left as you exit that. And, and the exit is so far beyond the actual exit going back into Toy Story Land is so far. I mean, it's like another, it's like another 75 yards beyond that retail location that nobody is going to know that, hey, let's just go into the shop and check out the stuff there. It's, it's, it's a mess. It's just a mess there. By the way, I should also mention Let's take Disney California Adventure. And one of the problems Disney 
Walt Disney World has, and Disneyland has, is they don't compare notes with each other. If you want me to go on forever, let me talk about security. It's amazing how many of the really smart things that have been done at Walt Disney World have never been adopted at Disneyland. And yet, if you're at Pixar Pier at Disney California Adventure, be sure to check out Bing Bong Sweet Stuff. It's a store that sells both Pixar product and the kinds of candied goods I've been mentioning earlier. If they had put in a Bing Bongs onto Sunset Boulevard, that thing would have been swamped with traffic. If they had kept the fudge and the and the hand-dipped Rice Krispie Treats and, and the slushies and all of that that was there before, and they put in a Bing Bong overlay to it, oh my goodness, where you know where he's crying candy, um, that Bing Bong of uh, uh, Inside Out, that thing would have been a sellout retail. Uh, but they didn't do that. Why? Because, again, one side never seems to talk to the other side. And so those best practices are often lost. You know, lots of lessons can be learned from this situation. But at the forefront, one has to ask what options, what opportunities would be available if you just drop the silos within your organization, you're missing opportunities because you're not talking to other partners, to other departments, to other areas of the operation. And that means lower revenues. Number three, mix the savory and the sweet. That's appropriate because we just got through talking about, uh, about the Outpost popcorn at Katsaka's. While we're over at Disney's Hollywood Studios, let's return back to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge and let's ask ourselves why you can only buy beverage products when you're at the milk stand. Oh, it's because it's called the milk stand, probably, I guess. Maybe that's why your only choice is blue milk or green milk. Is the title keeping you from making better sales? In food and beverage, you really should never sell anything sweet without something savory or salty and vice versa. For instance, you never sell sodas without chips or popcorn. In fact, why not sell that outpost popcorn we were talking about right now at the milk stand? Oh yeah, yeah, I forgot. One is, I don't know. I don't know why. I can't imagine why that's not being done. It's I have to admit, there's a little bit of a cute... Well, first of all, there's mobile ordering, which we'll talk about in a second, uh, for the, for um, getting blue or green milk. And there is a line usually during the day of about seven, eight, maybe nine people getting the blue or green milk. But tell me, would it, would it be a bad thing if you had a line of 50 and 20 trying to get it? And knowing that you'd probably increase your per cap by selling something salty to go with something sweet. It's again, you're missing the opportunity. Now, for all of you out there, you probably don't sell popcorn, but you do offer your own array of products and services. So ask yourself, what's missing from those products and services that would be a natural complement to those products and services. Let me give you another example from Disney. At Disney, they sell autograph books. 
So you can go and find your favorite Disney characters, well, post-pandemic or pre-pandemic, um, and get their signature, right? That's a big, big thing for kids young and old, right? What do you sell with that product? You make sure that you have pens available right nearby, a variety, ideally, because chances are, if somebody needs to buy an autograph book, they probably need a pen to go with it. And so you look at your products and services and say, what would complement this and could be added? It may be a product you sell on a website as opposed to a counter, but you want to make sure that you're not missing out on additional income because something that would complement it would um, could easily be um, sold as well. So that's number three, mix the savory and the sweet. Find those things that would be a natural complement. Number four, update specials on mobile apps. Now, in a previous, uh, my last previous podcast on Disney's Animal Kingdom, I took some time to talk about an even previous visit during St. Patrick's Day. They were having a couple of special items for sale, uh, namely cupcakes. But I think there was some other items that were also available at Restaurantosaurus. Now, I had read that on, uh, on the blog posts and um, I think Disney's own site, in fact. And so I thought to myself, I think I want to check that out because that just that cupcake looks really delicious. In the end, the cupcake tasted more like toothpaste than mint green. But notwithstanding, it looked interesting and I wanted to check it out, right? So, as I am heading toward Dinoland, I do what I would do in any casual dining location. I go, I turn to my mobile app and I try to mobile order the item. Lo and behold, the items are not shown on the mobile app. So, I can't order in advance and then show up when it's ready for me. Instead, I need to go and inquire and maybe purchase directly at the point of sale location. That wouldn't be so bad in and of itself. But if you listen to my podcast, you know that in making that order right then and there, I ended up waiting what was probably another 15 minutes for my product to come out. And that was pretty surprising because, well, I was the only one in the restaurant. And so by not having the mobile ordering thing, I ended up just having to sit there. And, and then if you go into the story, there was a manager behind me counting his till and paying no attention uh, to whether I, my needs were being met or so forth. It just ended up being this terrible, terrible customer service experience. And so what the lesson is this, is how is technology keeping you from making the sale? I love the fact that Disney has offered these seasonal items. In fact, I would encourage them to do more. I think the locals and even those who are coming for the first time, they like doing that. They like buying those special cupcakes or whatever they may be. You're missing opportunities if you don't include it on the app because many times they won't know about it otherwise. Again, you got to get on the app. All right, number five. My daughter 
was in Japan at Epcot the other evening, and she decided to purchase this cute little kitten um, bento box. If you're not familiar with bento boxes, they're kind of um, like a little lunch box, but no, no handle or anything usually. Um, and they sit flat, not vertically. And, and they, you can store little items in them. And in Japan, they often will take um, those bento boxes and put specialty, create specialty items out of rice and, and things. And she had done that. She took the bento box home and I've got to grab a, I'll try to put a photo of this on the, on, um, on the post because she really did a cute job of making this little sandwich with little carrot eyes and pretzel whiskers and so forth. And she just delighted in doing that. Um, it was a modest little bento box, but she loves it. And she's now making little meals. She bought extra food today to be able to make uh, more meals in her bento box and take it to work. It just makes her day at work a little, little, bit, um, a little bit more interesting. As she was doing this the other night, I re was reminded of how when Fantasmic and other shows and events were happening in the parks, they were selling essentially a prepared package style meal that um, you, it was a, a slightly higher premium, probably in the, I want to say somewhere in the $20 range. And it allowed you to have the not only this prepackaged food, so you didn't have to worry about dining, you keep doing rides and attractions, but take that prepackaged food and then go over to Fantasmic and enjoy your evening. And um, and there were a couple other shows that, that had that as well. Well, because those shows have largely been canceled uh, due to the pandemic, those little prepackaged uh, meals that were sold in connection with those events have are no longer... Um, being sold. But honestly, in a pandemic, these previously prepared items would be a great way to make sales, especially at the end of the day when perhaps people want to just grab and go. Better yet, an option of having Disney-themed bento-style boxes could be really cool. It could be a collector's item all of their own. I got to do, and by the way, my D23 lunch pail came in Maybe I should add a photo of this too. It had um, uh, souvenir pins in it, and it was a styled lunchbox similar to what they sold back in the 1970s that advertised Walt Disney World. So cool. And then I have my own little collection of tin cans from, or uh, tin boxes and tin containers from uh, Tokyo Disney and Hong Kong Disneyland and even Shanghai Disney. I could do a whole podcast around these because I love these little containers. They sell prepackaged treats in them. That's a, it's a kind of a unique cultural thing in Asia. I'm just thinking, but it's a big sale. It is big, big, big sales in Asia. I just think prepackaged meals that seem safe and, and uh, you didn't have to really deal with a, a, um, a cast member intervention. You just picked up your box. I just think this is a missing opportunity. It could be a cool collector's item uh, all on its own, and it would offer Disney an opportunity to upcharge. And who at Disney doesn't like upcharging? Well, the message out of that, whether Disney ever listens to that or makes 
does something similar. The message in this is, how could you better package opportunities that weren't there before? Could your packaging of your products and services upgrade the value of your offering in a way that would provide a better price point? Um, that's, a, that's an opportunity. Packaging matters. And sometimes it makes all the difference in the world whether somebody buys or not. Number six, you remember the song from Mary Poppins? Stay awake, don't rest or... Well, at any rate, I won't sing it here. But um, I think that song would be appropriate to restaurants at Walt Disney World. It is stunning how few... Um, dining options, particularly casual style options, are available up until the closing hour. In the Magic Kingdom, you can typically find Pecos Bills and Cosmic Rays open, maybe Sleepy Hollow, but Pinocchio's? No. Friar Tuck's? No. Lunching Pad? No. Liberty Square Market? No. Gaston's? And especially not Tomorrowland Terrace, which closes like four o'clock in the afternoon. And this isn't even counting those who are not open at all during this period, like Columbia Harbor House, Casey's, the Plaza Ice Cream Parlor, or Tortuga Tavern. Table dining, Crystal Palace, and even Tony's and Skipper Canteen. This evening, I went and checked on those hours, and they were closing two hours before the end of the day. Now, this just makes my head spin. Because at the same time, I'm driving home on 192, and I've also been on iDrive. These are the major off-Disney thoroughfares where you find these big restaurant rows. And I'm driving down these streets, and I am finding that every restaurant and every drive through is slammed. I mean, absolutely slammed. I was going to stop in one day, at just a particular drive-thru, and there were already 20 to 25 cars in the drive-thru. I just said, forget it. I'm not even bothering. Then you have the studios. Pizza Rizzo, Backlot Express, ABC Commissary, Ronto Roasters, Baseline Tap House, all of them close early. ABC Commissary closes at 4.30 in the afternoon. What are you thinking? ABC Commissary, just previously to the pandemic, had been kind of marketing themselves as kind of an upgraded kind of dining choice, better than counter service, will bring the food to your table, if that makes a difference, um, prior to the pandemic. Now it doesn't even stay open. And they're the only place with steak fries in the studios. They have a great menu there. And they're not even open past 4.30. The park's closing at 8. And they're not even open past 4.30. Ronto Roasters, they're closing at 3. 3 in the afternoon. Mind you, they do offer breakfast. But they're closed by 3. Now, they do offer Ronto Roaster, uh, Ronto Wraps next door. So that kind of makes up for it. But at the same time, here's all this dining, dining um, space where we could space out people. And, and it's just simply the fact that it's another thing that's not an op option. And most guests may know something about Ronto Roasters, but what they don't know is that the Ronto Roaster options, the Ronto Wraps, are available next door. 
in the dinner hour. All I have to say is, what are you thinking? Meanwhile, Woody's lunchbox, it's open until closing, kind of, except it's so packed that if you haven't ordered two or three hours in advance, you're not getting anything at all. In summary, are you missing revenue because you've closed up too soon or made yourself unavailable to your customers? This is huge. And I can tell you as an annual pass holder and as a frequent guest, there are many evenings I choose not to eat because there aren't any really good options available. It's a missed opportunity. Number seven, what I term second Starbucks to the right. Most egregious of all places that close early is Trolley Car Cafe, or in other words, Starbucks, on Disney's Holly, at Disney's Hollywood Studios. In fact, on Hollywood Boulevard. Now, I can understand that the Epcot Starbucks is kind of a floating location because it's kind of in a temporary place and then it's gonna move. So I kind of get that. And Animal Kingdom, it's a little bit more off the beaten path, not so close to, to the front of the park. But if I told you, if I told you that your business was going to have some three to 10,000 people walking by your place of business in a certain hour of the day, wouldn't you reconsider staying open during that hour? More business is done at the key gift shops at Disney and the last, you know, which are across the street at Disney in the last two hours of the day than the rest of the day combined. In other words, Emporium, Mouse Gears, or what is soon going to be Creations Shop, Mickey's of Hollywood, Island Mercantile. These places do massive amounts of business in the last couple of hours of the day. And it's the same hours of the day where the Starbucks across the street is closed. And it doesn't make sense. For instance, the Starbucks on Main Street at Disneyland and even here at the Magic Kingdom will stay open until it lasts the closing hour, if not even beyond that. So why not other stores? Again, if you just look at your benchmarks around you, other similar retailers, if they're making money, shouldn't you? By the way, what does Trolley Car Cafe, Traveler's Cafe, Main Street Bakery, and Creature Comforts all have in common? The primary reason people visit is for Starbucks, and yet none of them have the name Starbucks in the title. I don't drink coffee. I have no appreciation for Starbucks, but it's just a basic, it's just the basic idea that you ought to, that you ought to, <laughs> that if, you're, if Starbucks is the reason why people are coming, you ought to call it Starbucks. I'm just saying. Well, those are my seven reasons, or seven things. Be our guest for breakfast. Don't outlaw the outpost popcorn. Mix the savory and the sweet. Update specials on mobile apps. Bento box that. Stay awake and second Starbucks to the right. Here's what we offer you. 
souvenirs for your organization, consider the following ideas because they might just help you think about your own organization and how you do business with your customers. One, are you walking in the shoes of your customer? Or are you making bureaucratic decisions behind a desk where you really don't appreciate what a customer is going through? Second, what options are available? If you drop the silos within your organization and work together, collaborate together to create improved revenues. Three, what's missing from the products and services that you currently offer that would be a natural complement to improving those sales? Four, how is technology keeping you from making the sale you could be making? Five, how could you better package opportunities that weren't there before? Could your packaging upgrade the could your packaging upgrade the value of your offering in a way to provide a better price point? Six, are you missing revenue because you've closed up too soon or made yourself unavailable? And finally, what are your other benchmarks doing out there? What's your competition doing out there? What are others in the marketplace doing? Have you compared with compared yourself to them? Well, that is our Disney at Work podcast this evening. We hope that this has been insightful. Even if you don't have business, maybe it's given you more insights to how Disney operates. And, um, and that maybe there's some application back to you, your business, to your life. Make, make it known that... If you like these kinds of messages, messages, you definitely need to join the Wayfinder Society. That's our Patreon group for Disney fans. And yeah, we have some remarkable stuff for just anybody who wants to know more about the inside um, fun and Easter eggs and trivia and history and heritage and all of that about Disney. But I'll let you also know, if you have a business, you need to take a subscription out on the patrons on our Patreon site because we have in our upper two levels options for you to gain more of these kinds of best in business ideas from Disney. Ideas from the happiest place on earth that you can apply back to your own organization. We have some fun, interactive, highly uh, media focused tools that really you're going to enjoy. And by the way, it helps to support this podcast. So please sign up, join us for this. There are different levels to join. I promise you we've got some great things from Pandora, World of Avatar, Pirates of the Caribbean across the globe, Disney at Work interactive tour at Disneyland, and also coming soon, an interactive tour of Walt Disney World during the 50th anniversary, and what we're referring to as Sea Assembled, the Society of Adventurers and Explorers. They're coming and joining up on the Wayfinder Society. So you join as well. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for being a part of our Disney at Work and Disney at Play podcast. We hope you have a terrific day. And in the words of Sinbad's storybook voyage at Tokyo Disney, always follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon. Thank you.